<laughs> All right, we visit a debacle for April Fool's Day because that is today, April 1st. <laughs> uh, and we lament the demise of linear TV. Another example of how tough it is to run a standalone radio station, even a successful one. And the Black News Channel signs off for good. Good morning. We're back with another edition of Media Insultant. Our opinions, ideas, comments, etc. on all things media. In Seattle, I'm Jackson Weaver. Down in Southern California is my blue blood associate, Mr. Keith Samuels. He's in Southern California, but he is an East Coast blue blood, which I love about him. Nice mixture. Well, you know, I... Yeah, I had that part of my life, and it's uh, the sun's back out in L.A., so uh, it's, it's going to be a good weekend. We do this each Tuesday and Thursday, as Keith knows, uh, except we don't do it on Thursday anymore. We do it on Friday. Oh, do it Friday. So that would be today. Friday. And we welcome you to the Friday, April 1st <laughs> episode of Media Insultant. You know, Keith, on April Fool's Day, radio and TV stations do all kinds of shtick. And sometimes it comes off and sometimes it doesn't. But on this April Fool's, I was reminded of back in the 90s, King 5. King 5 Television here in Seattle had a great comedy show called Almost Live. And it was very similar to Saturday Night Live. It was really, really well done. I mean, it was an award-winning show. I'm sure you remember it from your time here. And uh, there's, I do. Yeah, it was a great show. In fact, uh, it was uh, one of the uh, one of the writers and stars of that show was a guy that's become Bill Nye the that's Science right. Guy. That's right. And he and Ross Schaefer and some other people. It was just really a great staff. And yeah. King really put a lot of money into it to their credit. So as an April Fool's gag, they decided to report that the Space Needle had fallen down, and they mocked up a. You mean it didn't? I thought that was true. <laughs> you just haven't gotten you haven't gotten the latest skinny. No, it's really they 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 mocked a newscast with a newscaster interrupting and saying that this had just happened. The art department put together a unbelievably realistic picture of the space needle having fallen into downtown <laughs> Seattle. Well, to say this blew back in their face is an understatement. I mean, they shut down the 911 uh, switchboard. They had all kinds of people calling for congressional investigations, revoking their license, firing the staff. I mean, it was all kinds of panic and backpedaling. So, you know, it was an April Fool's joke that really did not come off well at all. And we've all got those stories, but that's one of my favorites. So happy April Fool's Day to everybody who's listening or watching our show today. You know, the truth is, Keith, unlike April Fools, the linear TV business uh, can only hope that this is a joke because it looks like the end of the road is yeah. coming up according to a Nathanson study. So, you you and I talked about this, you know, we've talked about the decline in cable and over the air viewing and you know, cable TV has built its entire background on syndicated fare and old movies. And I don't know that anybody cares much anymore. And just the past year, cable is down 18%. I mean, cord cutting is really beginning to have an impact. And so is streaming. But my question to you, Keith, is this a financial thing where people just feel they just can't afford to pay for cable anymore? Or is it because they like the flexibility of streaming for their news, for their 
movies, etc. What's what's your opinion on this? Well, I, th- I think it's more economic than that. I mean, you know, our cable bill runs about two hundred and forty dollars a month, and we, we angst over it every time we get that Spectrum bill to go. Are we really watching enough of this and watching enough of that? And, you know, we've got this combination of the silver package and the entertainment package and a couple of sports things thrown in. And and we kind of look at it and go, uh, you know, can we do this another way? You know, but what's interesting is, is that on the other flip, the flip side of this is everybody's cutting the cord and then they're piling on all these subscriptions, right? So they've got their Netflix and their Hulu and their Disney Plus and their Paramount Plus and their HBO Max and... Now you're all of a sudden up to 240 bucks a month in all these subscriptions. And it's like, so, and, and you're not getting as much or as much as you thought. I think everybody's trying to figure out where we go in this world. How much cable do we need? Because I do want to get my local network affiliates and I want to get some, I want to get all the sports that I want to watch. And a lot of that's on network, over the air networks. Uh, for now, uh, and so uh, so now we're it's getting it's getting really complex. The easiest one to cut is the, the cable, cable bill. bill. That's right. You know, but well, well, wait a minute. I'm getting my internet. I'm getting my uh, I'm getting my internet. My Wi-Fi. You know, uh, my uh, I gotta. I still gotta have a connection. My phone comes through my cable company. My landline. Now now my daughter doesn't have a right. landline, so I, I get it. You know, they're cutting landlines too. It's a it's a real. Uh, uh, strange and crazy time in television for how do I get what I want and how much of it will I get through cable and how much of it will I get through these subscriptions. The point that you bring up is really valid and that is that the cable companies are making a lot more money being your ISP provider than they are with these these subscriptions on <laughs> on programming. You know, that's what they really want. At the end of the day, if all they had to do was be your ISP provider and charge you 100 bucks a month or whatever it is, they're going to be a lot happier that way. And here's the other thing from a media standpoint. You and I have talked about this a lot. Unbelievably, particularly during political seasons, the revenue hasn't suffered much at all. Agencies have put up with rate increase after rate increase, which I don't think is sustainable, but I've been saying that for years. And I think it's because they really don't have an alternate way to spend a lot of money quickly, particularly with political. You know, they go into a a political campaign and they want to hit this community real heavily for a week, very hard to do that quickly and cost-effectively, except with TV. So it's, from a media standpoint, it gets to be a very interesting place. Yeah. Well, I think also, too, Jackson, the television remains the, the last true mass medium. In other words, if you want to reach a lot of people really quickly, you're right, you buy television. And that's been the strength of television. Sadly, as, as remember, we had the clip on from Shelley Palmer a few months ago about how television doesn't want to be mass media anymore. They want to be targeted. They want to be micro-targeted. They want to be addressable and all this other bullshit. And no, 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 no. Television should remain mass media. You want to get famous really fast, you buy television, okay? Um, and that's and that's where it still has value. That's why they gorge, the, the campaigns gorge on buying television during political seasons, during election years, because it's their only way to reach a mass audience and reach them quickly and really get their attention, okay? No one's reading digital ads. No one's clicking on ads. No one's paying attention to a lot of the video that you can you can skip after five seconds on YouTube. You can't do that. You, well, you can, but it's a little bit harder on television. So I think television still has its place as long as television wants that place. 
you know, so, uh, and by the way, don't forget, the future of television is next-gen TV. <laughs> I'll, keep, so, I'll keep that yeah, in mind. Hey, let me bore you as we go into this uh, session. Let me bore you with a uh, personal story. Um, I, I put a station on the air for uh, Tom Gammon back in the early 90s in San Jose, California. Uh, it's an embedded market from San Francisco. Uh, it's KRTY, and it was a standalone Class A, and it was the Bay Area's only country music station. So it did really well almost immediately. Now, Tom Gammon, the guy who owned the station at the time, was one of the most successful brokers in the 90s and one of the best schmoozers, but completely incompetent when it came to running radio stations. And um, he had an attitude that, you know, you buy high and you sell low, apparently. As his, his last uh, venture, he, uh, <laughs> he bought uh, KKIS in Walnut Creek. He paid $4.3 million for it. And in bankruptcy, four years later, it went for 600000 So... Tom Gammon was uh, one of the interesting people in the business. He's out building cell phone towers in the California desert. And the reason I bring any of this up, other than to talk about my own background, which nobody gives a shit about, is that KRTY was sold to EMF. And there's the dilemma. Here was a number one station in San Jose, which is an, an embedded market, but still probably the 35th largest market in the country. And they couldn't make it as a standalone. Yeah, on its own, right? right? Yeah, on its own. If you if you separate it out from the San Francisco Bay Area, you know, San Francisco, Oakland Peninsula, East Bay, you break out San Jose. It's, that's a legit top fifty market. That's exactly right. And yet, it wasn't enough for it to survive. And they sold it for three point one million, I think, to uh, EMF. And the truth is, these stations, which I call DTC stations, direct to consumer stations, like EMF have the most ability to extract value. They're not advertising-based, and they know how to do it. So mm -hmm. EMF has turned out to be a, one of the few viable buyers in this market. So uh, anyway. Yeah, and now one of the largest radio groups in America. But Jackson, was the problem with K KRTY the format, or was it the fact that it was a standalone no, I FM? think it was a standalone. No other stations to sell with it. I think it was a standalone. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it... Mm -hmm. Bob Keeve owned it for a long time after Tom Gammon sold it off, and he had another AM station, KLIV, and they, it just, it's just too hard. You know, everybody else is in the market, and all the San Francisco stations came into the market. So you had this, well, you know, rimshot challenge that most stations have in these kind of markets. Well, why would I buy San Jose? I'm buying San Francisco. It delivers me enough of an audience in San Jose. I'm getting what I want. Just it, that does complicate it, right, and I grant right. you that. But you know, still a standalone, good coverage in the 35th largest market in the country should be profitable, and it apparently wasn't. Well, I'm sorry to hear that because uh, it, it's it's a great story, and I'm I'm sorry for the demise of country radio because this is the last country, this is the only country station in the entire San Francisco Bay Area. You got to go out to Stockton or go up to Santa Rosa to get a country station again. And that's just that's just really tough for the format. But San Francisco's a weird, the Bay Area is a weird market. It's a lot of different strange sections to it. I'm I'm not surprised it was tough for him, but I would have loved loved for country. Hopefully, it'll come back on somebody's signal. Somebody soon. will bring it back. I think that's true. Quits is what the Black News Channel is calling it. Uh, this is a cable outlet that was focused on the African American mm -hmm. community. The Black News Channel, I guess, kind of <laughs> explains that. 
They failed to make payroll last Friday and shut down. Oh, my God. That's this is the worst feeling when you can't make payroll. I just can't imagine what that's like. 230 mm-hmm. employees laid off Friday. No severance. That is just so tough on them. It feels terrible. Um, and this this gr- this uh, station, this channel, which actually had 50 uh, million households. So they actually had some decent cable coverage. But they could only generate about 10,000 viewers per quarter hour, which... I mean, CNN generates 300,000 and Fox probably 700,000. So by comparison, they yeah, were yeah. had a minuscule audience. They originally, it's interesting, they got their original funding from Shahid Khan, who's the owner of the Jacksonville Jaguars. And apparently they needed a cash call mm. on Friday, and he said, no mas, not going to happen, no mas. No mas. So, Nope, nope. He's got quarterbacks he's got to pay. So, you know, we can't afford to save That's the right. network. Keith, here's the big question. Why would someone launch a new cable channel as the entire industry turns towards streaming? Uh, I think they thought that by being just black news channel and black focused that they would uh, get some revenue uh, thrown their way and uh, give them some time to build an audience. And, and with... Now, when you talk about reaching 50 million households, it meant they were cleared on on some cable channels. Enough of them all aggregated added up to, well, that's 50 million households that can get that channel. But you're one of 500 channels on your cable box that doesn't guarantee you anybody's going to watch. And so... I think it goes back to, to, to the to the uh, you know the argument that you've got to build an audience. If you don't have an audience, you're not going to get ad revenue, and uh, if you're not going to get ad revenue, you're not going to be able to pay your people. So it's not so much about just being on the air; it's about being on the air and having somebody watch it or listen to it. And they had so it. the 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 word on the street was that this had been for sale for a couple of months. They've been trying to get somebody to pick it up. Even Byron Allen didn't want it, although it certainly would fit into his campaign to force agencies to spend more money on minority-owned media, but even right. he wasn't willing to, to go that far. And the truth is, you know, it's wow. it's really an wow. uncomfortable bankruptcy in a media business that's trying to diversify its ownership base, you know? And maybe, I don't know, it maybe it's too late. You know, maybe they would have been much more successful just as a streaming platform where 10,000 uh, average quarter hour would have been fine, and yet none of the infrastructure, none of the uh, technical infrastructure you'd need to support a cable network. I don't know. I, I Right. And, so, you know, some of, these, some of these things have to grow granularly. You know, where's the, where's the audience demand? It's almost like if we put it, if we, if we show it, people will come. And that's nef- that's not the case. That's not. There's just too much competition on this stuff. And it's almost. It's also like what the NAB and the FCC want to do to encourage minor- minority ownership of radio stations. It's like, uh, who's making money on radio stations these days, and why are we forcing that 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 losing business proposition, which it likely would be, on minorities? They're smart enough to go. Uh, no, maybe I'll do something else and make money because that's not working. So. Well, Keith, um, we hope, uh, we'd promised, but uh, we had some snags with coordinating his travel and our recording times. We hope to have Ed Steenman on in the next week or so. And this will be interesting because it's it's always interesting to hear Ed's update on how the car dealers are operating and where we can see media sales opportunities for car dealers. Big segment of broadcast 
has been car dealers, and it's been whacked by the lack of inventory, and it's been whacked by the fact that, you know, they they just don't have the same sales needs they used to have, and so they don't use media as much. So it'll be interesting to hear what he has to say, and we'll get him recorded and on in the next week or so. So stay tuned, as they say, for that. It's uh, information I hope you can use. So that's it. That's it for another edition of Media Insultant. It's a production of In Town Media. We do interim broadcast management, and you'll find our podcast on any podcast platform. Video versions are under Media Insultant Showcase on Vimeo. Keith, we've done it again. Go have a good weekend. Thank you. Well, you too as well, Jackson. Uh, we'll see you next week. And, uh, and Ed, Ed is uh, required viewing. He always brings so much great information about how to call on car dealers, successfully sell car dealers, and also their agencies, their ad agencies that work with them. And so, uh, um, you know, it's always a quality time when we spend it with Ed. We look forward to it. <laughs>